What's the point of talking if nobody ever learns? Everyone, welcome to the brand new, what's going to be your favorite, which you're, you're not going to be able to live without, the uh, Boondocks podcast. Hell yeah. Yes, I am. Yes, your favorite. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, this podcast is going to be all about Black lives, you know, the social injustices that we have, social justice, um, politics, and of course, the Boondocks you know, we can't, we can't call it the boondocks and not talk about the great thing that's the boondocks. So I am MJ and uh, I have a panel of, with me, you know, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful beings. And we're going to go ahead and let them get their shout out and introduce themselves as well. Um, I guess I'll kick it off. Um, my name is Lindsay Kay. Um, I am a girl, a woman who grew up in the hoods, the hood, hood, the big hood, um, right around Avenue D for people from Rochester, New York. That's where all the drugs are. Um, and I always went across the river and attended private school at this ritzy prep Catholic all girls school, um, was kind of raised in this whole notion of code switching. And, um, as granddad often gets on Riley about, um, you know, not, telling the or well not even Riley I guess more Huey not telling white people the truth you know play your part oh yeah how you speak all this kind of stuff and my parents were old school black people from the south Um, mom went to segregated school so you know there was the way you act at home and the way you act around white people and your girl grew up and just said nah fuck this uh I'm good I'm not doing this um last job Went in, interviewed. I told them, listen, I am who I am. I am not code switching for you. I'm not shucking in this office. I'm not jiving. I am what I am. They were like, we're cool with it, girl. Get your ass in here. And spoiler alert, they were not cool with it. Uh So (laughs) eventually I just quit. And now I'm my own boss, my own CEO out here in the San Francisco Bay Area. I do SEO and I talk a lot of shit on Twitter. Um, And that's me. (laughs) Love that. Look, I don't know that we actually... Yeah, I have so much in common. I very much have the same kind of upbringing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So I guess I guess it's uh, I guess it's my turn. So I guess I'll share a little bit. Um, everyone, like I said, my name is MJ. Um, that actually stands for Mary Jane, full um, moniker, the Mary Jane Maven. I stepped out of living in fear about four and a half years ago and decided to step into my passion and my purpose. Um, I had to be able to you know, not live in that fear to be able to identify and define exactly what those things were. And, um, you know, the great infinite wisdom of the alchemist book, please read it. If you have not definitely add it on, read it again and again. Um, that really helped to change my mindset. Whereas I always thought as an Aries that I'm very outgoing and talkative and positive. Um, <laughs> I definitely had a mindset. I definitely had a, are you, are you, I'm an Aries. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. (laughs) Shut up. And this is the second time today someone mentioned that book to me. But carry on, please. Don't let me know. That's crazy. I have chills. I have chills. I have chills. Um, Yes. So I, I, you know, always just kind of said, you know, maybe I'm flighty as far as like, you know, different positions that I had in my career. I had a great career, um, but I would get bored of shit after about a year and a half. And the reason why is because that's not where I was supposed to be. Um, So I, like I said, one day went to work and went in late, went in and talked to everybody for about three, four hours, wasted time, Um, went back to my desk and started writing my resignation letter and uh, said, I'm not doing this anymore. I have to, I have to find my true purpose. My husband's great. My babies are great. My life was great. 
but it just was something that was empty within me. So I, uh, you know, I left and growing up in a similar kind of situation where I was one of maybe 100 black people in my school of 3000, um, that was a lot from high. My <laughs> yeah, in uh, yeah, in uh, Sacramento, it's on the southernmost mm. part of Sacramento. It's a Friday night lights. It's basically that's where it is. It's farming town. Um, but I definitely, you know, I've always been told, "Oh my God, you don't sound black." You know, if I'm speaking on the phone, or mm-hmm. um, you know, those great little nuggets that that you're you're given or you're blessed with. Um, so articulate. You're so articulate. You're not like the well others. Spoken. So pretty. Yes. Oh gosh. Well, it's okay if I date you. You're not. The- <laughs> You know, oh, yeah. uh, you're not one yeah. of them. Yes. And please now that East Bay Pittsburgh, where my family's from, my family's from Jackson, Mississippi, um, naturally, you know, but it comes out in me. Don't play. Don't, don't play. And I'm very much got to the same level where it's like, I had this lady tell me and I'll, I'll, I'll quit because I can talk a lot. A counselor <laughs> in seventh grade told me you have two strikes against, against you. I skipped school with a bunch of non-melanated girls and they all told on me when they got caught they didn't get in trouble i got in trouble Mm -hmm. so when my mom was there and we were speaking with the counselor she says you already have two strikes against you you're a woman and you're a black woman and i'm like are you a counselor this is seventh what and that stuck with me and really gave me this resolute determination bitch mrs nelson i'm gonna prove you wrong so I've definitely done that. Now I'm a cannabis entrepreneur. We'll, we'll find out about that when we learn about each other. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pass the mic over to our other host here. Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Tiara. I was, um, I am the uh, host over at How Are You Now as well as here. I have to plug that. Um, born and raised in Seattle. Um when it comes to the boondocks, I like to say that I was born Jasmine and grew up and turned into Huey. Um, I was the product of a mixed marriage. My dad is black from Louisiana. My mom is white from Canada. And uh, I, like I said, I was born and raised in Seattle, which contrary to a popular opinion has always been major not just majority white but like so white that I didn't meet a black person that was not a part of my family until I was in the fourth grade um and uh that was when I was bused to the central district for school because that's where that's what happened anyway (laughs) so um yeah being bused to the central district was a big big deal for me because I um let's just say that I didn't know the amount of racism I had already faced in my life because I didn't understand yet that I was different and I am you know now that I'm older I'm this giant ball of intersectionality because I'm not just a uh multiracial uh a person who is assigned female at birth. I'm also non-binary. I'm also autistic. Um, And because of uh, what my students and I like to say are my unique superpowers, I have massive amounts Mm -hmm. of empathy and patience for uh, children who have trauma and children with special needs. Very little for, you know, typically developing kids. But when there's when there's something that was beyond your control, I have so much patience for you. Um, and so I primarily work with students from trauma backgrounds, uh, basically trying to get them from... Um, you know, the, the school to, to prison pipeline, get them out of that and get them back into, uh, the belief that they have a future. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, that's, that's a big part of what I do. And, uh, I think a big part of why I do it is because of everything that I experienced when I was a child before I knew how bad it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and all of the, you know, therapy, the years of therapy and going to school for a decade, trying to figure out who I wanted to be and why I couldn't feel like I fit in anywhere. You know, it was a culmination of figuring out my sexuality, my gender, my autistic status, all within a year of it. And suddenly everything made sense. And so that's going to come up a lot. (laughs) Hey, I love it. So, yeah. So otherwise, like this, this whole thing even happened because a show that I watched a little bit of when it first came out, I'll be honest, uh, 
I did not, there wasn't TiVo or Netflix or any of that stuff. Well, there was Netflix, but it was only DVDs at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just never saw it because I didn't watch live TV. And sometimes I would catch an episode and it would be awesome, but it never connected with me until the pandemic and the death of George Floyd and watching it from the beginning with this context of today and how how much it is exactly what we're going through again 15 years later so um yeah it started all out because uh you know my husband and I both got really excited about this show and then we couldn't find anybody who was already talking about it and we couldn't believe nobody was talking about it so I am really, really happy that we are here today, the three of us, who have yes. uh, technically, this is the first time we are all talking at the same time, yes, uh, yes. and I'm really looking forward to uh, what we get to talk about over the next while. <laughs> I second that. You know, I'm going to do my Jesse Spano impersonation. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> like, let's just get there. Uh, no, that's that's fantastic. I am super excited because, like you said, this is very prevalent um, to today's times. And I, I, I would just love if, um, you know, the boondocks was used as uh, as a learning or teaching tool yeah. um, in, in schools or, look, even as some grown-ass adults, if they could just sit down and they gather, you know, some information from it and get a little bit of insight. Um, and just how it, how it foreshadowed so many things. So... It's a little spooky, but it, it's awesome to be able to have that to, uh, you know, to have this topic of conversation or to have this show. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, some of the other things that you will be hearing as we uh, go through this um, this show. Uh, at this point, all of the episodes that have ever been made are out. We are crossing our fingers that there is going to be a yes. reboot of the series. But right now, that's up in the air. Um, but whether or not we are going to... Each episode, we're going to talk about an episode of The Boondocks. Uh, we will um, talk about how it made us feel, uh, the things in it in specific, or even the abstract that really touched us about that particular episode. But we're also going to talk about how the plots, the themes, and specific words even that are in episodes, and uh, why they were so important then and why they are still relevant now. Um, even though it's been 15 years and, you know... A lot of people who were watching this when it first came out are now parents having to deal with the fact that we are where we are, which is right back where we were. Yeah. Yeah. I was just a year out of college. My husband and I were just planning our wedding and just getting married. Um, And so it spoke differently to us because it was like, oh, guess what? You're in the real world. Now Mm -hmm. you can really you know, see those things that are that are happening in the workplace and, you know, and just trying to buy a house or just whatever it may be. Um, and that, so that really played an important part, I think in our, um, you know, mid, mid twenties, right out of college, um, going into that, that latter part of what well, that second part of adulthood, I'll say, um, yeah, we're all and about love- the same age. The three of us are all about the same age. So yeah, it, everything yeah. Is, is really like we grew up in very different environments, but all three of us have so much in common about our experiences as black women growing up in this country. Uh, one of the things that we are planning on featuring in every episode are, um, uh, excuse me, stupid white people questions, uh, because we are finding that a lot of the exact same questions ha- are being asked today that yeah. were asked then literally um, our producer dean the lovely husband of mine uh <laughs> he literally went on twitter and just grabbed a couple at random and was like hey here's something they're still asking so oh, it um, wasn't hard no it, it was not probably didn't take a lot of forging to be able to find that out <laughs> i just want to pose really quick to you guys did you guys ever get the question like why do you guys wear lotion oh my gosh why do you put moisture on your hair? Did you guys ever, cause I, that was, I was just like you, because with skin, you have it as well. You know, that's yeah. There are a lot so, of things that, um, how about this one? Did you cut your hair? Oh yeah. No. <laughs> I watched it. I grew up with being accused of, of always straightening my hair, even because I, you know, when I was younger, my hair was really curly and then I went through puberty and now I have, 
white people's hair. Does it change? Yeah, changes. Yeah, big big ringlets. You know. (laughs) Yes, I mean, I used to get. Oh my God, your hair was in braids on Friday. And on uh-huh. Monday, it's back to, what did you do? And it's like, took the braids out. Like, what you, what? Or now that there's some awareness about it, like they approach you in the office, like, but yep. can I see it? Yes. <laughs> or they want to be like, oh my God, look at my tracks. So it's like, girl, I need to take you to the, the beauty supply in the ghetto because your shit right there that you got from Walgreens wherever looks horrific but okay high five Uh, (laughs) (laughs) all right so um for our inaugural episode uh we picked out a special white people question for us so hi this is dean um white guy voice put on on the southern voice that i've got from texas so uh how can all lives matter be racist I can talk like that because I am from Texas. That is true. It's not, it's, yeah, it's not making fun of when it's actually here, right? right? Now, as a, as a white guy coming from a white background and knowing these people, Mm -hmm. I can understand this question. And there, I mean, so there are people who literally think, and when they, they kind of, and they, they're, they're afraid to really interact with black folks mm-hmm. so they're afraid I, so to understand I, why because now, yeah because yeah. yeah there are some people who literally they don't really care what the answer is mm-hmm. so <laughs> at all that, that like is, they're gonna yeah, family? Still <laughs> spew. So, yeah, yeah their rhetoric yeah that's yeah. so that's the question so wow. um that's probably one of the most oh, what's what's a good word most divisive questions uh out there um because if you're not hearing 10 years of people telling you what something is why is that going to change now like that's my first my first thought when someone asks when someone makes that statement like if you haven't heard me yet why should i invest yeah. all of this time in trying to teach you mm-hmm. um but just you know to start off this conversation so the basis of this is Black Lives Matter was created because black lives in particular are are, um, targeted and were disproportionately in prisons and killed by the police and um, like like cities that are majority black usually have less funding available to them. Like there are so many things in this country that are set up to lessen the lives of black people. Let's go back in history. Black Wall Street. Exactly. Um, bombed. You know, that was bombed because it was threatening to exactly. white people. Yeah. I mean, you were threatened by the success. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the community that was within central park before they decided, yeah. well, let's build a central park. Mm-hmm. I mean, back, back then. And so, that's stuff that yeah. nobody hears about unless mm-hmm. they take mm-hmm. the time to research it themselves. Yep. Like yep. I knew about black wall street growing up with uh, a Southern dad, but I knew nothing about central park until that hit the news just a few years ago, um, which was a big deal. Sorry, hold on one second. Um, So uh, Dean just handed me a quote by one of my uh, favorite authors. Um, uh, And uh, so I'm just going to read it. The American idea of racial progress is measured by how fast I become white. And that was James Baldwin. Hmm. One of the reasons why James Baldwin always resonated with me was and i'm i'll be honest with you i didn't know this was why but looking back i know this is why um james baldwin was non-binary they uh challenged gender norms at a time when they would have easily been killed for it i mean you can get killed for it now but like had the ear of martin luther king had the ear of these great great civil rights activists but they wouldn't put him in the front because he wore nail polish. And so I understood that to a point. Um, I understood when he would talk about being favored, it being favored for being white, for acting white, for sounding white. Like when I started realizing that I was black, cause my, my experiences growing up literally I didn't understand that I was different. Um, so understanding what it, what it meant to be black and what, what, 
what my own ancestors history is. Um, you know, having to essentially learn it myself mm -hmm. because I would hear little bits about it and not understand how that didn't make sense. And so I'd have to go and figure it out. And, you know, the days before internet, you know, discovering Malcolm X was amazing to find that autobiography, discovering James Baldwin and I am not your Negro was amazing. Like I couldn't just like search civil rights and get, you know, YouTube videos. And so everything that you need, just a, yeah, a, just a huge, just wealth of uh, resources and information. Yeah. Um, yeah. We had to go to the library and look through the little, what is that called? The, you what know, the catalog. card catalog. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Or the Jesus. Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh, but my parents only had like two of the freaking letters. We, I don't think we ever got the source. whole thing, but we, we had, we had a lot of those. We had a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, it all comes back down to the central thing of black lives meaning less mm -hmm. to the entire like order of this country. And it, it's, it's not a new thing. Like, and I think that's the thing that a lot of these all lives matter, matter people can't get through their heads. This isn't suddenly something new that cropped up. This is something that's been happening since the first slave was brought to this country. Everything has been designed in this country to put down a black person, to make them less, to keep them less. That's why black lives matter. Not because white lives don't matter, but because historically... And systemically, black lives do not matter. And there is proof everywhere. And if you don't see it, you're fucking blind or you are intentional. And that's that's either way, it's tragic and it's 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 very sad for the life that they're gonna live. Because, you know, we as a you know, as a community, we as a um, you know, um ethnicity, um, as a race, as we we're, like I said before, we're very resilient people. You know, we know how to find the joy in the little things. I think that's why we laugh the way that we do. You know, we cry the way that we do. Um, you know, we're able to make a way out of no way. It's because that's all that we know. And what I think is scaring people now where the whole, where all lives matter is because you all are aware that we're receiving the power back that they took away from us and the power is of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And as long as we're knowledgeable, I mean, I think an educated black man is probably the scariest thing to America, which it damn well should be. Because and now when our kings, <laughs> you know, when our kings really tap into who they come from, you know, the ancestry mm -hmm. that they come from and the many powerful things that they were doing centuries and you know ago, there's nothing that you can there's nothing that you can do to to stop us. And yeah, you have us, you know, you've definitely given us a big, you know, hindrance by financially stripping us down, educationally stripping us down. And like you said, every possible way that you could, you've done that, but look where we are. Mm -hmm. We keep coming back, you know, um, music, sports, society, culture, everything is permeated and it's let off of us. And that's what really pisses you guys off. And I'm sorry that it does, but the faster that you understand that we all bleed the same blood, we all you know, have family members that have passed away from, from cancer or, you know, something else. We're all the same people. Things, you know, can, can just be a little bit better. I think when the, um, the sting of saying that there's white privilege can be eradicated, then that definitely helps because that, I don't understand how they, how you get mad at that. Um, now I, you know, I heard they want to be called a white blessing. That doesn't make it any better. Um, but yeah, I mean, once, you know, as long as they have this, um, you know, two-year-old, I'm going to just, I'm going to do what I want to do kind of mentality, or, you know, I'm going to stay, stay where I am. It's never going to change. And we are more open. Joyner Lucas, I'm not a racist. Best example ever of what needs to happen. Hear us out. Let's hear you out. And then let's go ahead and connect on being humans. It's that damn simple. It really is. Um, we care about when cops are shot because we understand they have families and children, um, but not when they're taking our lives so blatantly um, and with so much hatred and so much consistency. When you're killing people in their homes sleeping, it's a fucking problem. And we are no longer sad. I'm not going to try to quote. I, I do quotes. I love that you, you know you have quotes as well. And so as soon as you said that, I show you. I have a whole just save the whole 
James Baldwin quotes that you can find on Google. Mm-hmm. Just saved it. Um, but I had a quote on my, my other podcast this week where I quoted Malcolm X. And basically the gist of it was saying that when people are no longer sad, they become angry. Mm-hmm. And that anger is what, you know, ca- you know, is the catalyst. And we are past sad. We are exhausted <laughs> and livid and resourceful now. So take it for what it is. I'll say that. and i'll jump in here i have a lot of strong opinions on this shit um they're not popular opinions but they're not necessarily like new or unique to me um when i first kind of think about all lives matter and one of my girlfriends who was actually white gave me this metaphor before and she said can you imagine like going to a breast cancer gala and then you know maybe angelina jolie's up there and she gives this grand speech about everything she went through um losing her breasts and how that made her feel and then suddenly some guy stands up on his chair and says but all cancers matter Mm -hmm. (laughs) like what is it? Mm-hmm. And what I feel like it ties into y'all and judge me for it. I don't give a fuck. It's this notion of, and I, I don't want to sound racist, but I think <laughs> a lot of white people and I, you know, I'm generalizing, but a lot of white people cannot take this notion of we're going to put this black issue on center stage <laughs> and mm-hmm. we're going to demand that you acknowledge our fucking lives matter. It, yes. it has to be about you in some way. You have to be the center of the stage in some way. So all lives have to matter. I can get behind that, but me acknowledging, and I always say it, I think a big part of why they will not acknowledge the pure like privilege, even like white privilege mm-hmm. is because they don't want to acknowledge the racism mm-hmm that they are benefiting yes. from in their privilege. Yes. So that's this clutching on to all lives matter. And in terms of like the police brutality and stuff, I got into it with someone on Twitter this week over this um, because I refer to it as genocide. I always say, oh, this centuries long genocide. 1,000%. That is I what agree. it is. And I wish people would just start saying it. And she's like, well, don't you think that's a little dramatic? <laughs> By you telling me that's a little dramatic, I think you're a lot of it racist because right. that is what this is. It's <laughs> a genocide. A and like you said, it's all, it's like a time's up vibe. Now, do we have all the power to change things in this country? No, we don't. But it's exactly what you were saying, like about being resilient. I feel like this whole world is shifting. You've got a dictatorship basically mm-hmm. rolling into the United States. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The lot of us have been out here learning to survive in a system of oppression. And now it is your turn. And I think that is also why people are trying to clutch onto this privilege. Yeah, sure. You can try and ride it, but that's it's not going to do you good anymore. Like it's yeah. just time's up across the board. I'm sorry. Yes. I could rant all day, but no, oh God, I love it. I'm chills once again. I'm loving, I'm loving it all. And um, there was I, there I, was something I, oh, sorry, real quick. Uh, there was no, something, no, uh, Linz, that you said um about uh when, well, it just made me think of the term ally and how so many people think that they are allies to black mm-hmm. people, but really they're, they're so worried about neutrality and fairness that they essentially become racist themselves. And I'm keeping your term a lot of bit racist, by the way, that's staying in here. But mm-hmm. like, the difference between true allyship and performative allyship would be understanding why black lives matter is a difference from all lives matter and then being actionable about it and being actionable. Yeah. I can definitely say that it was moving and I cried many, many, many nights, of course, because you know, the the loss of of, um, Mr. Floyd, but seeing people from, you know, like the Hills here in Sacramento, um, um, Auburn, California, if you know anything about it, what they they know that there are black people in the world but seeing that they were holding a protest there and they were at the police station holding accountable seeing people stand in front of black men between them and the cops like that was powerful and i work within the cannabis space and a huge portion of it is making sure that there is equity um inclusivity and you know Lindsay, with you being in san francisco they're pretty much leading you know oakland san francisco leading the kind of equity programs sacramento is so sad behind you know being that we have the government right here but it is um it's imperative that we 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 share the importance of all of the ways that we've been disenfranchised all of the ways that we are owed a reparation 
I always think of Dave Chappelle when I say that. I don't care if you give us checks. I don't care if you give us 40 acres and a mule. Give us something. And cannabis to me is our way and it's a shift in the universe like you said you know when when all these men start being held and called to the carpet all these very powerful men from hollywood and all this started happening i was like okay the universe is like i'm ready here we go <laughs> and um I'll, I'll say this when the oscars when it was like regina king won and it was like a lot of you know just not not so white oscars i felt it then i just felt a slow shift and it, it's silly it may sound silly to people to say that the oscars is you know was a catalyst in it but it was, you know, it's just, it's a larger message. So it, um, to me, we need to be able to not have a certain group of individuals that don't want to just admit that, you know, unfortunately your history is kind of just doused in, 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 in not treating others very well. I mean, if you look mm -hmm. back at your history in England, you know, a lot of you were sent over here because you were beggars and they were trying mm -hmm. to get rid of you all so that they could live a very high, you know, um, regal life. And when you guys really, I think, understand the true history of a lot of what your ancestors did, then maybe that privilege or that guilt will break down and you can be able to start to understand the plight of being a black American today. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we could just talk a little bit. I'm like, I go over here and over here and over here. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, I hope, where's our where's our friend that asked that question? The guy from Texas. Did, did, did you hear that? Yeah. Mr. Producer it? Man. <laughs> where, he turned it off uh, 20 minutes ago. I, I, well, uh, there, there's plenty of them. So. <laughs> yeah, no. He's flying his flag. He's like, oh, bullshit. He's, he's somewhere. Come on you know, no. uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's... I, I still I, I keep going back to I can't remember when how long ago now has it been since Black Lives Matter the movement was was started right after um, Brown Michael Brown what went how long so ago yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Years. that was uh, 13 2013 Whoa, already when did was that when was, was Trayvon yeah Trayvon because Trayvon would be a grown man like right yeah, I he think would. he would have just celebrated his 20 oh my gosh and the uh, fact that we i don't want to say become accustomed to it but the fact that we can go whoa yeah. it's been that long already when it should mm -hmm. be like holy shit so yeah it's only years. been that it's, it's been that many years and nothing has changed right right and and at the at the time of trayvon martin and mike brown and the endless list of names that came before and came after like that wasn't a a what was it that wasn't the doorbell we've been knocking for you know hundreds of years at that point like that was the point when people when black people stopped just being sad yes and i think yeah. the the and when you say like that's scary like that happened in the middle of obama and i think that having the black president and having black people starting to go you know fuck it i'm not putting up with this shit anymore mm -hmm. like that is what gave us trump because you had the apathetic white Yes. Uh, performative allies who thought that oh you know whatever it doesn't matter trump haha ha, he's it racist payback. doesn't matter it was payback it was it fucking was payback, payback for yeah. that nigger thinking that he could run yeah. the country yeah. yeah like he's gonna put in change well i'm gonna show you change right that's exactly exactly yeah that's what i thought as i drank a bottle of gray goose that evening on election night um because I, <laughs> I don't i, I don't remember know. election night i think i took some medication and went to bed uh. <laughs> I started off with the whole shot thing. Like every time, you know, the person uh, going for, you know, it was just a little fun thing. Like we got this. Then about an hour in, I was like, we don't, we <laughs> don't. I, and it hurt because I felt like America was telling yeah. us and black women, we don't give a shit about you. Yeah. That's oh, the message that I got. Yeah. And maybe I'm the only one here. I like, I went to bed. I knew Trump. Well, at least I felt I knew Trump was going to win. My husband is foreign. He is a white man. Um, but he and I had back and forth about it because he's a data analyst. He's like, the data says, but the data says. I was like, please, you foreign Italian man, do not tell me what Americans are like. I know what Americans are like, and I know how this is going. I went to bed. One of my girlfriends called me first at 2 a.m., and then it was like nonstop calling people mm -hmm. crying texts like what is happening i'm so heartbroken and i just thought y'all it's exactly what you guys were saying before like you do you not listen to me when i talk to you about my experiences <laughs> at work about mm -hmm. my experiences in life 
I, to me, I don't know. I just thought it was obvious, which even today I was tweeting, like when someone was like, oh, what happens if Biden doesn't win in November? I saw that. Do you, yeah. Do you guys really, am I the only one sitting here? Like, spoiler alert, he's not going to win. I hope he does with, with every fiber. Oh my, oh gosh. I I just, you but what has been done to check doesn't. the cheating and the criminal behavior <laughs> yeah. going on in Washington now? Nothing. So why is anything going to stop them from cheating their way into another more than four years? Let's be real in this mm-hmm. office. It, it just that's his it's goal. Amazing that's the whole me. point of the Trump administration is to create this. Uh, what's what's the word when <laughs> the church is a figurehead? Um mm. Because that's what it, like, it's not the real church here. This is just the like. It's, it's fake Christianity. It's, like a, it's an opiate of the masses. I, yeah. that's, that's one thing that I, you know, that I, you know, well, a quote that I would like to say, Theocracy. but it, that's kind of what it is. It's like, he is definitely like, I, if anybody literally go, well, not goes in, but opens their ballot and then marks that man's name. When this man has blatantly lied to us, 1 billion, 742,000 times. I mean, what country is in the wood as of today? We are. What you guys are complaining about? I want to go to the gym. I want to get my hair done. (laughs) Do you understand why we can't do that? Because your homeboy sat in there and lied to everybody in January, and it's still lying. And it's just like I—I mean, I hate to look at my baby's face again because my my children were four, four and eight, and my four-year-old woke up. We got him up that morning, and I look. I said, "I drink a bottle of Grey Goose." I was in the bed like. And uh, he says, so he looks at me, he says, so did Trump win? And I said, yeah. And the tears and the understanding and the fear that went through a four-year-old's mind was just, it was heartbreaking. It was terrifying. Um, Being a teacher the next day was like going to school. I I spent the entire day with, um, well, a lot of students that I worked with who were I had um, African immigrant children who mm. were refugees <laughs> work with even more of them now um, all these all of the black and Mexican and uh, like God, I don't know I I seem to work at the schools where we have like 70 different nationalities all at one hey, so fantastic. yeah you know it's it's a, it's a nice goal that, for all uh, schools to be that like that, that but, um, diverse there so well, like I didn't know an Armenian until I went to college mm-hmm. and then I realized in high school this guy that we used to call like hair boy and we totally thought he was like Mexican. I'm like, Oh shit. That's why he's so hairy because he's Armenian. Like I, you know, <laughs> some of my best friends ever now, you know, my, my family, but, um, it, that's nice to know that it, it's diverse like that there. Um, it, well, it's, it's almost forced diversity. I hate to say it that way. Mm. Um, I still live in a very white city mm. and a very white neighborhood of that city. And I work at my neighborhood school, but, my school that I work at is also, um, it's called the Bilingual Orientation Center. So essentially every non-English dominant speaking child that comes in through my school district comes in through my school. Wow. So we see a lot of refugee children, a lot of, a lot of, um, Asian children, a lot of African, different parts of Africa, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of Hispanic, uh, and especially lately more Central and Southern American. Um, so we are. I, you a question. I want to ask you a mm-hmm. question really quickly. Now, do you see a lot? Do you know? Um, do you guys use um, uh, what are they called? ID, like the learning. It's like a contract that will like travel with them all the way through school. Do you mean um, IEP? The IEP. IEP for special Very. ed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with these students that are coming in that are, you know, maybe kind of more ESL or, you know, yeah, these would be these, we, we call them English language learners because these are kids who don't know any language, any English. Like they come to us, maybe not even knowing their own, how to read and write in their own language Ah. because they've been refugees for so long or they've been moved around different places. Um, But yeah, IEPs are uh, for special ed. I, I work in special ed. Uh, yeah, yeah. I work with kids with emotional and behavior disorders. Uh, that would be the technical term for when I said mm-hmm, kids from mm-hmm. trauma. It's, you know, all those things that happen when you are a victim at a very young age and you're never yeah. taught how to deal with that. Like, that's what yeah. I work with. Yeah. Um, and do you find IEPs are kind of like, a, like 
just a stamp like on their foreheads and it just kind of limits them no throughout their time or do you think that it definitely helps it, it a depends lot of the children? it depends it really okay. does um personally i don't think that more services is ever bad but mm-hmm. there are definitely schools that will use ieps to keep kids like uh-huh. quiet and hidden away mm-hmm. um one of the reasons or one of the things I always say is I work for my district despite my district. Uh, I'm actually with the pandemic. I'm actually trying to completely in, have my kids in inclusion, uh, which is not done for this program. Um, but, you know, by just giving them hopefully extra support to but also still be able to do all of the online learning and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. This pandemic is really um change the way I have to do my job because so much of my job is that in-person connection that I make Mm -hmm. with these kids. Uh, because you know, I, I work with kids who are suicidal, who are homicidal, who, uh, are off their meds or, you know, need meds and have never been checked. And, you know, like there's all of these different things that we have to go through. And you felt such a void for them in so many ways. Being able to have that, that face-to-face contact, I know is imperative. And I will say Newsom, I call him newbie because he's so cute. Our governor, he just started, like he just implemented where like kids with IEPs and those, they need to start, like they need to do something to get them back in school or at least, you know, face-to-face. That's a whole nother story here. I, I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in my district when it comes to special ed. Again, I work despite my district, not for my district. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually accidentally met the superintendent of schools yesterday. Accidentally. (laughs) That's a story. We we had, we had a a little like um, car parade thing for people to come and pick up school supplies that were donated. Um, and I had, I was there with, you know, my extra stuff for my students that I was sending home. Like everybody got a backpack with school supplies in it. My students also got a kit with a whole lot of manipulatives and and like fidgets and Uh hopefully things to help them, you know, do this. I don't know how, anyway. Um, but like. I was grumpy about something. I don't remember. And my boss was like, yeah, so, you know, I think your idea for SEL, if, if there's in person, I think that's probably going to come become the plan for SEL. And I'm like, like looking over, like you were, Oh, okay. So, (laughs) so in this case, being, being me, um, may have helped more than just my kids. I was going to say, yes. Um, so, because, you know, when I, when I talk about, when I will mention, because it's going to come up a lot, uh, I live with, um, a lot of anxiety that mostly comes from, uh, and if you know anybody on the spectrum, this is very common. The unknown freaks me out a little bit. Like I'm really good at staying calm emergency situations. I am the one who should be there. Like I, I am the one to call 911 and tell them exactly what's happening while making sure nobody's touching the guy that got hit on the motorcycle while the car that crossed the street illegally and like actual story that happened. Um, But I am not somebody who can spend five months not knowing what's going to happen without giving myself a way to feel better. So I mm-hmm. essentially made a very thorough plan <laughs> on Good. how these kids could be serviced in person if need be. And, and yeah, so it's, it's nice to know that, uh, and all of it, I'm, I'm going to say all of this is because of where I work, the school that I work at, the team that I have, the principal that I have, who is amazing and lets me have so much more rain than I probably should. But um, she knows that I get shit done and I change these kids lives. Mm-hmm. And so uh, but, <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for her, I, I wouldn't do 90 percent of what I do because I wouldn't feel like anybody cared. Well, I think um, my, my kind of opinion on, I, I think that, um, you know, those that are on the spectrum are seriously geniuses. I think you all use a larger percent of your brain than the rest of us. And I think that's what causes such anxiety when it comes to the unknown, because you are so an- analytical and you do plan things out where the rest of us, we don't have that foresight. Like we don't, you know, we think of this close or, you know, this far ahead. Um, so I think that's, that's your, that's your superpower. Um, that and I, um, <laughs> I think that 
your students and your school district and probably your principal understands um, the blessing and the power that they have in you because you're not somebody that just has an interest and went to school for it, but you've lived it. Um, so you're able, you know, it, it, it's more authentic. Um, so I just want to say, like, I think I'm, I'm digging you. I love it. Um, I love all of you. I'm, lo- I'm yeah. loving this whole thing. I'm so glad this is. I love having this conversation. <laughs> I don't, yeah, so I don't have a lot of black people around me. Right? Oh my gosh. I've got I my know. principal and a couple of coworkers and that's, that's, that's the majority of the black people I know in Seattle. <laughs> well, you know, I think as you grow up and you get older, um, you know, you, you know, you keep those certain friends that are close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely a guy's girl. I love being around the guys a little bit more. And, you know, there are a group of, of um, wives and stuff that I know, but I always feel like we're at an event, like a barbecue and I'll go over here and talk to them. And then I'm like, well, I'm gonna go, I'll be right back. And the next thing I know, I'm like, you know, slamming beers and freaking talking shit with the guys. Um, but I do have, you know, very close, uh, female friends and I'm always feeling like I'm looking for a tribe and for my tribe of Queens. And, um, you think that that's going to be brought to you in a way that you're going to see them every day. You're going to talk every day. You're going to go to lunch. You're going to go to dinner, but I'm learning that that's not the case. You will have your, you know, your tribe of Queens that you can use for support and as a as sounding board. Um, and they're going to come in many different, uh, walks of life and in forms. And I think you too, ladies, I think, you know, you know, we're added to a, this what they call the it? Of a, a beautiful relationship. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. So I could talk to you guys all night. This is what happened the other day when we spoke um, <laughs> the first time. Yep. But yeah, Lindsay, do you right. have anything? I know I love your passion. Um, yeah. Behind you, like behind your thoughts, and you definitely have something unique because you know you are um, you know married to somebody who who's not. I, and I don't, when I say this, I don't mean in men, a mean way, but he has a little more melanin than others, but mm. <laughs> completely. Um, how long have you guys been married? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, we've only been married for, it'll be two years in November. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and we've been together, I think for five, five, six. Um, all runs together. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, you're still newlyweds. I guess, <laughs> um, but, um, and I mean, it, it's, I'm not going to lie. Like some things surprise you, you know what I mean? Like I thought he's this totally, he gets it. He's an immigrant, but there are things, you know, that happen in America where you're like, oh, really, yeah. bruh? oh, we're going to have this fight. I always tell him, I can't wait till you have some black ass kids. I hope it's a son. <laughs> black ass kids. I was like, black ass kids. I love that. Um, I love that. But I do just want to say, going back to our original conversation, and I will reveal to the world, this is the darkest part of my heart because I'm always one of these spirituality people, vibe high, choose love, trying to find my tribe. Mm -hmm. Like I said, that alchemist book, you are the second person today who's told me, oh, you need to read this. (laughs) So I need to read this. Um, I'm all about love and light and and choosing, Mm -hmm. choosing that path. But in the darkest part of my heart, the darkest part, and I'm so messed up for saying this, there is a part of me that says, yep, go on America, have your Trump, vote for him, Mm. keep it up, keep choosing him because all of your privilege, it's about to fall down on you. You're about Mm -hmm. to bring your own Uh tower in and you are about to become, and I don't mean this is any disrespect to black women or black people, but y'all are about to experience what it's like to be black for real Mm -hmm. because racial identity yes we took it and made it our ethnicity because you took that away from us um but we all know it's a construct so now you are going to learn exactly what it is to be considered less than to be considered cattle to the slaughter mm-hmm. like come on bring it up keep it yes. up yes oh go. yeah Girl, I like to say i like to say we're like, watching the fall be like mm-hmm. all you yeah. ones that were like so what it was funny that he said grab him by the pussy i don't care i voted still what like, <laughs> I like to say know. we're watching the fall of Rome in real time. Yes, yes. Um, and we're also able to watch the world's reaction to it at this time. And I am one of the lucky ones who's not so lucky, but I, because I'm a dual citizen, if yes. Trump is reelected, I, 
I'm going to be Man, moving to my sister's I'm in Canada. With you, I said um, Drake so didn't pick I me up last time. You don't like, understand, it honey. Didn't quite work out. I we're can't not here yet, so I'm gonna have to get over there by myself. But like, I can't take anyone with me. I can't take my husband. I can't oh. take anyone with me. Because he's an American citizen and American citizens are not being, and well, especially not white American citizens right, right now, yeah. they're not being allowed in. Um, I have been told explicitly by an immigrant lawyer that any black person in America right now has a case to apply for asylum in Canada and they are looking and accepting. <sighs> but anybody else, they don't want them. They don't want them right now. So basically, Canada, Canada has said, right? <laughs> Canada's got its shit. They've got some shit there. Like they're yes. they're in their Obama years right now, so they need to watch the fuck out. They have a charismatic, attractive man mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. is very centrist and is going to make the leftist part of their their people really pissed off, oh, and the very yeah. right right people pissed off. So they are about to. He's working on it. He's like, doing good. He's he's, he's trying. Good he's he's yeah. trying. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think that's that's one he's place a white I politician. Visit. I can't. <laughs> yeah. He's he's doing okay. <laughs> well, look, girl. Look, if it happens, look. Yeah. Look, we might have to. Can we stream? Like, shit's gonna from be here fucking to scary am, either way. I think. I, I'm serious. And but the thing is, like what Lindsay said is, when things start falling down, what I love about what black people are doing right now in the past couple of years is we are becoming more knowledgeable and we are becoming mm-hmm. more enlightened. I love hearing black people say that they meditate. I love hearing black people say that they do yoga or that they're going vegan or, mm-hmm. you know, that they read the alchemist or wh- whatever it may be. They read whatever it is. They are, we're broadening what we've always been indoctrinated with, which is, you know, Christian living and, and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we're making our own way now. And we're starting to be more self-sufficient. I know that when Corona said, came, I was like, I'm not ready for a zombie apocalypse. I can't, I can't garden. See, I can't shoot anything. Like I was I, ready for I'm the zombies. I was not ready for the infection. <laughs> I, yeah. I was not yeah, ready um, for six months in my house. I wanted to like, I was like, I, I got good shoes. I got jeans that fit. Let's um, go. I can hike. <laughs> look, no, I was, I had my husband's frat brothers. One is, you know, just a Marine, just really cute um latino from down south and you know he just he can do everything and then we have this big corn-fed white boy that's a homie with us and i was like i'm going with either one of you because you guys know how to shoot you know how to kill like i'll do the cleaning and all that good stuff um but i would be lost but the fact that i think we're all understanding the urgency of becoming more Mm self-sufficient is only going to help us in that situation um so yes girl my fellow aries y'all just i mean (laughs) This couldn't get any better. You did good, producer, sir. <laughs> I do. <laughs> T, what's your sign? What's oh, your birth sign? I am Aquarius. I'm, I am Aquarius. I'm Aquarius, Aquarius, Aquarius. Yes. <laughs> I could, Genius like, of yes. the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I said, I said that. All that shit, but like when I had my, when I had like three of my houses were all Aquarius and I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Okay. I'm eccentric. <laughs> I don't Love give it. two shits what you think about me. Well, I do, <sighs> but I can easily, but, easily yeah, throw that can, you know, Yep. Yeah. yeah. I'll say that the only God I believe in is a Nazi. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys watched, uh, have read the books or watched American Gods? Yes. My son, my oldest son, he was like, mom, you must, oh, you must. So, good. so yeah. So good. And a Nazi, like the best in it. Like um, earlier, uh, Dean was like, show it like, trying to hand me more stuff to be, but we were talking so when it was good ta- when you were talking uh, mj about being angry mm-hmm. and anansi mm-hmm. one of his statements on there is angry is good angry gets shit done mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i agree yeah. with that because now 1, that now that black people are actually angry and not just sad mm-hmm. but angry and fighting mm-hmm. back and mm-hmm. like white cities like portland are in 90 something days of continuous uh like protesting and arrests and like i know white people down there who have been there every single night since george George floyd died and like black people are seeing that white people are finally understanding Mm -hmm. and finally Mm -hmm. standing up and i think that also helps black people feel like their anger is justified and make them more willing to express their feelings and mm-hmm. and be open and um like all that stuff about finding ourselves and and like finding the magic in life again like i think that's all part of it we were so sad for so long mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without like 
not that we didn't know why, but without any possible way of shaking off that ancestral sadness. And, and that's now, exactly what it is. Yeah. Right now we're when you have to no connection to who you are, yeah. how are you supposed to move forward? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just had my ancestry done and it was like such, oh. such this eye opener of like, okay, so I knew that my dad's side of the family who are, are black came th- that slaves came through Cuba. So I always assumed that meant that I had some Hispanic, you know, in my background. And I even have a fucking sugar skull on my chest because I grew up with that being actually a little bit of a part of my my life. Um, but it turns out that apparently they were only in Cuba for a short period of time. <laughs> and there, there's, there is a wing there. There is a whole like um, tree wow. branch over there. But uh, my direct ancestors went from Nigeria to meeting and intermixing with the Choctaw. Um, which are pretty much all black now anyway. So, oh my uh, <laughs> gosh, I'm so jelly. I really want to have mine done. Um, but my husband refuses to use like an ancestry or whatever. I understand like, that. I, Cause I think they keep your information, mm-hmm. but I did find one it's African. It's ran by a black woman and it, it goes directly to, instead of just saying, this is where you kind of match based on our area. Like they really go all the way through and will put you to a tribe that's on like the eastern shore of you know what i'm saying like that um but it's not cheap um so So that's the other thing i my mom's side of the family actually uh paid for a bunch of us to do it Mm. because and that's a whole nother story but there there were family members that were lost along the way i'll just put it that Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. and one of them was found when a when a cousin did this uh did 23 and me and so now me, my mom, um, my half sister, and my aunt are all doing it because no one's really sure who's actually connected to who now. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, I white just people. Learned, <laughs> I just learned that a lot of the Nigerians and the, from the past there that they were. I can't remember the exact term. My husband's um, little bro and his frat. He's Nigerian, Baba Jide, very Nigerian. Um, but he was telling me how he found out that his family. Um, they were very wealthy and it was a certain term that they used for back then and that they had indentured servants. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he was just telling me, he was telling me a lot and I was telling him, I said, I really want to know. And he's like, based on your features, I think you're, I was like, I don't stop it. I want to know for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that when you know where you're from and then you're able to identify with like their way of living and, and everything else, it puts a certain amount of pride in you. Um, I think that our young men, this is why I love Kaepernick, other than the fact that he is cute as hell, <laughs> but I love that he took his adversity and he turned it into something where he's like, you know what? You guys are mad because I'm being proud of being black. Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to make millions of other black men proud of being black. Mm-hmm. And let's see how you can handle that. And so I I'm, love how I just, his organization gives, um, you know, um, ancestry tests to, to young men. I think that's so powerful. All right. So well, great. let's let's wrap this up for today because yes. this is episode zero. We haven't even we'll be actually like until next Tuesday, right? We haven't <laughs> even like watched and reviewed an episode yet. So our next episode, we are going to look at season one, episode one of the Boondocks, and hopefully, um, we won't have anything terrible in the current news more than what we already are experiencing. Yes, Lord, but uh, yeah, so I'm really, really excited about this podcast. I'm. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think. Uh, um, well, I think that we're all, like I said, before we even started recording, we've got three cute black women here who are ready to just tell you like it is and, and be our authentic selves and, and, right. okay. um, maybe help walk a few people through some stuff that they're working on. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hopefully, you know, hopefully. they piss them off and then bring them out on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. What to do. Um, now if I'm not mistaken, was episode one regarding the Pied Piper? Thank you. Two? Okay. Just wanted to make sure. All right. We'll, All right. We'll I might be wrong. We'll figure this off offline. <laughs> yeah, we'll figure this out. I'm just wondering because right. I um he came up on my Spotify last night and my husband and I got into a huge discussion because I was like, 12 play is still fire. But we'll talk about that. <laughs> so yes. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Yeah. So we will uh we will talk to you next week, I think. Yes. All right. Bye. Have a blessed week, guys. The wrong way, but I need you to get the hell up out of here.
We'd like to thank everyone for joining us for our first ever episode. It's been so much fun and we hope you'll join us as we get into the episodes of this show. We'd like to thank Kirk for our intro, hashtag make change. You can find him on Spotify, iTunes, Tidal, and on Twitter at C-A-P-T underscore J-T Kirk. That's Captain J-T Kirk. Love those nerds. Additionally, we want to thank Audio Binger for our outro, Good Times. You can find Audio Binger on freemusicarchive.org and YouTube. Finally, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. You'll find those links under theboondockspod.com slash links. See you soon.